0: Mindfulness mode.
1: We pick up all the tools that, I don't know, just keep getting us through the next thing.
0: Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome back to the show. I am in such a great mood today. I think I always am in a pretty good mood, but I'm in an especially good mood right now because I've just been laughing and smiling, talking to my guest for a minute before I hit record. And she is the creator of Flow Dreaming. How awesome does that sound? Her books and podcasts have been used across the world to transform people's inner emotional landscapes as well as their external lives. Her latest book is called Stuff Nobody Taught You. And it's a really cool book. So I think you're gonna like it when you get your hands on this book. So it's just gonna be a lot of fun talking to my guest. My guest is Summer McStravick. Summer, are you in mindfulness mode today?
1: I woke up in mindfulness mode. I did my own little practice this morning and I am here and raring to go.
0: That's fantastic. What does mindfulness mean to you, Summer?
1: Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that question because I knew you were going to probably ask it. I I think there's a traditional um, interpretation of mindfulness. Um, and then there's my own personal, more expansive <laughs> definition of mindfulness. For me, it is an embodiment of starting with a feeling of presence, right? Traditional presence. I'm here. Mm-hmm. But then I move into the next feeling state, which is um, this present moment is my entire point of power, not in the past, not in the future, right here. And the whole future that streams out for me is coming from this moment. So there's almost like a weightiness to it for me. Like, what do I want to put into this moment? And that's why I veer often into the realm of, quote, manifesting, um, because I'm always thinking, what do I place in the moment? I align and then I create. So a complex answer to a very simple question.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Well, I'm fascinated to know about your experience working with Louise Hay. You worked with her for a decade. You created hayhouseradio.com. What was it like working with Louise?
1: Gosh, that was, you know, it's it's getting further and further in the past now. As I look back and I realize, like, I find myself saying, Well, those were the days. <laughs> you know we do that. Those were the days. It felt at the time that Hay House was um really pivotal in the growth and expansion of just everything, alternative healing and and um, manifesting co-creation. Uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer's teachings—it was just the—it was the nexus of everything. And of course, by this time, um, Louise, well, she started her company when she was in her sixties. So by the time we were working together, she was in her eighties. <laughs> um, I remember one of her biggest birthday parties. So you know, her role at that point was to kind of nod her head and say, "You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job." <laughs> mm-hmm. Kind of like the the. Not a mascot, more like the the empress of the office. <laughs> and every mm-hmm. now and then she'd pop her head in and have a little talk and, you know, work things out. But um, it was pretty cool. I just have to say it was very, very cool. And um, at the time I knew uh, that I was surrounded by some teachers of the, the century. Um, so it's a weird space knowing that you're doing that while you're also just working a regular job. You know, it's yeah, like being in sure. two spaces at once.
0: Yeah. And and I have to ask you about Wayne Dyer. What was it like working with Wayne Dyer?
1: <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. So um, for about five years, I co-hosted the podcast with him, Wayne Dyer's yeah. podcast. And um, part of my job was to make sure that it was all going to like flow OK, because mm-hmm. w- the way Wayne worked is I'd be like, and we're going live in five, four Oh my god, where's Wayne? Wayne, please show up. Three. Where's Wayne? Is where's Wayne? Two. And usually right at the last second, he'd slide in and he'd say, I was just out taking a taking a ocean, you know, a, a ocean body, you know, run, scrub, bodyboarding, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Are you even dry yet? He's like, no. And I'm like, you're on air. We're live. We've got a first caller. Let's go. <laughs> but, you know, he, he just the sense of everything will work out. You know, everything is fine. So I, yeah. I truly tried to learn from that and decrease my stress level as a result. I don't know if I was successful, but maybe a little bit. But that's, that's wow. just like one of his funny anecdotes. very indicative of his personality.
0: And what do you do to make you happy, Summer? What's what lights hmm. you up personally?
1: Okay, well, besides my work, which I love, obviously I've been committed to for 22 23 years now. Mm-hmm. Um personally, what lights me up? I'm I'm kind of a homey person. I have mm-hmm. a rose garden um, where all my roses have little, you know, name badges and the date they were planted and a formal garden. I have koi ponds. I love my fish, Um, take care of my babies, my animals, my pets, my dog, my kitties, um, my family. So in in many ways, I mean, I'm not that exotic, only in my thinking, (laughs) in my surroundings, not so much. But that makes me happy.
0: That's really cool. So what have you learned from your pets about mindfulness?
1: You know, I saw that you recently put out um, an episode about uh, dogs and mindfulness. Yes. Um, yeah. So, you know, partly what I do is I work as an empath as well, you know, mm-hmm. with intuitive feelings. So yeah. for me, it's very easy to sort of, again, align and to go back to mindfulness. For me, when I'm reading or feeling an animal or a person or anything, it's it's like it's like getting two ships perfectly lined up. Right there's that alignment, and that can only happen right in the present. And it often mm-hmm. happens very quickly. There's not a lot of work to it. It's it's like two magnets coming together. Whenever I'm feeling my animals, um, whether I'm just, gosh, thinking about them or, or petting them or being with them, they have a very um, different sense of of seeing the world. They're very they're present more than anything else. Way more present than humans. They're right there where they are and if you're trying to dig to the past or dig to the future with them it gets a little mushy and weird they're right as mindful as you can say as as present as you can possibly be so um i guess yeah that's that's what i sense most and i hope have picked up from them as well as just how to be loving and lie around and get petted and scratched and fed yeah (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just
0: love pets as well. Just love it. Well, tell us about flow dreaming. Tell us about this mind-body technique for manifesting and growing inner emotional strength.
1: Okay. So this is a practice that began as just my own. Uh, It was a private personal practice because, you know, at the time, you know, 20-some years ago, I had been, uh, you know, I was a, a mom to two little babies. Like I said, I was working... Full time, you know, twelve-hour days, and I just felt like all the people are telling me to think a certain way, feel a certain way, and life will give me certain things. But I have no time, and I'm I'm tired, and I'm barely getting through all the things I need to do. So I was searching for something, and of course, I started trying meditation. Um, but I found that I became frustrated with myself very quickly, because, as most people I know do when they begin, but I found that my mind kept wanting to wander in a different direction. Um, I would find myself daydreaming. I would find myself thinking about things, resolving things, visioning things, and especially feeling things. Well, I'm going to cut the whole... Long story short, how flow dreaming came about is I realized that the space that I was naturally like letting this daydream state lead me into... Where I was seeing things and feeling things is what they called flow state. I did a lot of research on it in the beginning. I wrote my first book about that flow dreaming at Four Hay House with my house, and um, so I, I was entering flow state sort of intentionally, whereas most people get in accidentally. We always talk about mm-hmm. oh, and then you get in flow, or you know, the latest way of, of approaching flow is is very. Um, a driven kind of idea, like if I must enter flow for peak performance, I must do this. To my flow was a, a dreamy, welcoming, and when in that flow state, I thought, well, I can either just feel the alignment and the and the flow, literally flow, the flow of time, the flow of us as beings growing, evolving, um, gathering information, you know, as these human beings. that we bring back with us to wherever we go next. What do I do in that state? So sometimes I just felt the embodiment of the state, perfect universal alignment. Some people might call it oneness, but because I'm, I'm that kind of person, again, got a little antsy in there, and I'd say, okay, I actually really want some things, and I'm not sure how to create them or make them, but I know that I need some universal help on this. So this is sort of like, again, the origin story. So I began communicating in this state, and I realized that words were really ineffectual. Um, I could barely express in words the feelings that I wanted to have in my life. It would take thousands of words, whereas if I could just feel a feeling, life got it. Eventually, this practice evolved uh, from this, and I realized that When I was going in there into this flow state, into flow dreaming, using this practice, it was like opening a conduit, right, from the physical to the non-physical. And my physical self would be going through my day doing all the work that I need to do, the action stuff of life. The non-physical part of me was saying, don't just do the action stuff. Give us a plan for this action stuff. So eventually I, I started, you know, calling this my, um, uh, my like emotional blueprints, energetic blueprints, and I realize there's action and there's pre-action. So pre-action is what you do instead of reaction, <laughs> which is how most of us are living in a very reactive mode constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always waiting for the next thing to respond to, and our responses and our reactions are what pull the emotion from us, give us uh, permission to feel emotions. We're expected to feel emotional content in response to things. What I ended up doing was putting that completely backwards. <laughs> Cart before the horse. And I said, if I if I preact, if I pre-feel these emotional states, before anything's been done to pull them from me, aren't I then becoming more of a creator? Aren't I then becoming a manifester? Aren't I then creating that blueprint? So I reversed... A lot of how I was being in life, and I mean, I still work on this to this day. It's not a constant thing, but it is pretty deep embedded in my thinking now. If I want to have certain feelings in my life, I'm going to preact them. I'm going to feel them. I'm going to become them. And then I challenge life. You figure out how to match me, because otherwise I spend all my day matching the randomness, seeming randomness, all the things, all the stuff other people throw in because they're for sure being random. And I try to kind of get an edge on it. So my flow-dreaming practice puts me into this really deep manifestational space um, where I am able to create, Where I, I call them emotional endpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, the emotional endpoints are, these are the feelings I want to have in my life. This is, mm-hmm. this is what I'm becoming. And often the emotional endpoints are associated with physical things I'm doing, right? So if I write a book... <laughs> For example, yeah, my emotional endpoints are. God, I hope it touches people. I hope it gets into the right hands. I feel it getting into the right hands. I feel it, um, you know, singing its verses to whoever needs it the most. So that mm-hmm. becomes that becomes embodied with the book. That becomes embodied with not just getting a book published and sent out, but it becomes part of the whole book. If that makes sense?
0: Yeah, that does make sense, ah. and. You know, I I really like what you put in the subtitle about Stop Being Miserable in your most (laughs) recent book. Why do you think so many people find it so challenging to stop being miserable?
1: Oh, my gosh. You're going to send me down the rabbit hole of lack thinking, right? (laughs) You've heard of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a thing with us humans that we tend to base our future on what's happened in the past. And Mm -hmm. it's hard to it's hard to envision a future that doesn't have a nugget of of our past experiences in it. And a lot of our past experiences are baked in with scarcity thinking, lack thinking, catastrophic thinking. Um, There's all kinds of psychological terms for it. But in in essence, we're bracing. We brace, and our bodies brace like for impact before we hear bad news. Our energetic selves are bracing for. What's going to happen next? You know, when is the next shoe going to drop? So we start carrying this energy around with us wherever we go, a defensive uh, sort of energy. Yeah. And so when we think about our future, we're, we're kind of telling our future, I'm ready to defend myself against you. And what do you think life gives you in return? It's giving, it's matching you, it's mirroring you. All right, we'll give you things that you have to defend because... That's your expectation. That's your belief. You're prepared and you're ready for it. So we'll just keep that going as long as you want. And I lost the thread of your initial question.
0: <laughs> well, that's okay. I was going to ask you about fear because that's a big uh, theme in your book. Chapter yeah. seven is fear of feelings. And yeah. and then you go on and you talk about, you know, uh, F the fear, you know, like, let's just get through this. How did yeah. you get through the fear yourself in your life? <laughs>
1: I got to say, there are F-bombs in this book. So if anybody is, is challenged by colorful language, it's not for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. I use language, though, to, like, punch through sometimes. Like, I really mm. need you to hear this. So I'm going to get you a little, a, little, a little funky about it, you <laughs> yeah. know, and that way you'll hear it. Yeah. Um, what got me to get through fear? Well, look, that's an ongoing um, lifetime experience. There was a point in um, 2015 where I realized I was really wanting to build my Flow Dreaming company bigger, mm-hmm. um, wanting to get the message out, wanting to create my own empire, you know, follow Louise's footsteps yeah. and, and make something pretty awesome yeah. um, that would help the world. And there was a, a moment when I realized the only thing really stopping me from doing this, it's not how much time I have or intelligence I have or the help and support, et cetera. All of those things can be created, made. But the thing that continuously gets in the way is fear. And I realized that fear was really the only emotion that would stop me time and time again. Fear of this, fear of that. And I traced back all the things that I hadn't done, couldn't do, wanted to do, but felt I wasn't ready for yet or wouldn't work out for me. They all came back to some basic, fundamental, energetic feeling, which was fear. So I said to the universe, all right, If I get rid of all fear in myself, and I mean, I don't mean healthy fear. I want to distinguish that. You know, healthy fear is don't touch the hot stove. Intelligent fear, right? But fear should be used like a a fire alarm. Do something about it. It shouldn't keep ringing and ringing and ringing every day of your life, uh, a blaring sound that you no longer even hear. So fear has a really strong use, but I wanted to get rid of all the fear that had been lingering that I hadn't done anything with. So, of course, what does life do? <laughs> Sends me <laughs> breast cancer. <laughs> oh, now, I'm not saying this will happen to everybody, but basically, because like I said, I have a really um, good communication I feel with my greater self and all of yeah. Um It's like, well, you know, what's the biggest fear? And I'm like, dying, losing my kids, losing my life potentially my identity not knowing what's out there I mean really we all kind of most of us come down to that as our ultimate fear not everybody though yeah so I had to um i embarked on a on a series of exercises all year whenever I felt afraid of something i had to do it if i didn't want to make an email or a phone call then i, I immediately made myself do it if I was afraid to have a talk with somebody as soon as I felt fear I'm like dang, now I have to do it. And it was just like an agreement I made inside. And when you start doing little brave actions like that, as I call them, uh, they build, you, you do a lot of little ones and the little ones become your norm. So then the, the, the medium, the ones that used to feel medium size now feel like little ones. Then you do a bunch of medium sized ones and then they start to feel normal. So the big ones are now, Oh, so I had um, I had to go through ultimately um, my fear of death and dying and, and cancer and loss, and it really made me understand that that's the only thing we 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 fear in life generally um, feelings. We all say, "Oh, I fear losing my house," or "I feel losing a child." And I'm like, "You know why you feel fear losing your child? Because you're gonna feel feelings. You're gonna feel loss. You're gonna feel." dissolution of self, Um, Mm -hmm. you're going to feel anger, you're going to feel horrible things. You don't want to feel those. So it's it's kind of interesting when you jump into the world of feelings. I I teach about feelings a lot in my work. I call them colored crayons in a box. They all have a purpose. Yellow crayons, green crayons, black crayons, blue crayons, they all have a purpose. Um, And each one is a different kind of feeling. And it's helping you, guiding you, or you're coloring in your life with it. So we try to avoid the feelings we don't want and we move toward the feelings we do want. That's all we do. And all the things that we create or manifest in our lives are just paths or physical things that we pick to try to reach some of these feelings or emotional endpoints.
0: I love your writing style, you know, because (laughs) you just cut to the chase. You just dig right in and you get to the point and you tell us all about it. I love (laughs) the chapter, Healing is Like Showering. Tell us how healing is like showering.
1: Do it daily.
0: <laughs> we just have to keep doing it, don't we?
1: Yeah. It's
0: never, never finished.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oops, sorry. My earbud just dropped out. Um, yeah. Uh, I, that's what happens when I laugh. My earbuds pop out. <laughs> Stop making me laugh, Bruce. Um, yeah. So healing, and that kind of ties into fear. Right, we yeah. heal ourselves every day that we're experiencing life. Um, I assume that we're breaking things, and I often another analogy I use is healing is like Disneyland, right? If if the if the park is or Disney World, everybody knows, right? If the yeah. park is full and you got hundred thousand people, and they're throwing candy wrappers on the ground, and they're putting their sticky fingers all over the rides, and there's paper bags blowing across the grass. There's a little breakage that comes every time you have experiences. It just comes with the territory. So every day, the groundskeepers at Disneyland come and they clean all the trash away at the end of the day and they make it fresh for the new set of experiences. I'm assuming if I don't have ongoing breakage, I'm not really living. Mm. So if you kind of build that in, you stop being afraid of the breakage, the heartbreak, or the health problem, or um, the family member who's upset at you, and you realize, ah, this is part of my living. This is supposed to be here, but what am I supposed to do? I'm also supposed to be cleaning it up, and yeah. that brings me into the whole um, story of you know how the heart processes life, and your heart is your your organ for the healing, essentially. Um, physically, your heart. Uh, removes all the debris, the lymph, et cetera, from your body, all the cellular debris. It pumps it out. But your heart also pumps in all the oxygen. Your heart is constantly cleansing your blood, in other words. Think about your heart maybe cleansing on other levels or your energetic heart, right, a a part of you. It is made to cleanse. It is made to do this. And yet often we just don't allow it and we're afraid of it, so we avoid it, so we just let it kind of get packed in more and more and more and more.
0: Your analogies are just priceless. they're just so <laughs> fantastic because they make it all come alive. They make your the words just jump off the page. that's for sure and yeah. uh, i I want to ask you a question about bullying because I always touch on this topic in my yeah. in my uh, podcast. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference summer?
1: you know i I again, you gave me a little heads up on that, and I spent the longest time thinking about an answer to that. Because um, at first I thought, I have no idea. And then I thought, well, wait a second. I was bullied. So as a, as a kid, I was, as you can imagine, pretty unpopular because <laughs> I was weird. <laughs> a lot of us were weird children. And, well, sometimes
0: um, the weird children hang out with the weird children and then everything's okay.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. But in my neighborhood back in the 70s, uh, there, was, there were six girls all my age and they were all not weird. So right. they told themselves, I know I in hindsight, you. they were weird, but yeah. because I was kind of like coming from a, a, a hippie household, um, you know, a lot of them felt like uh, their parents distrusted us or, you know, you, you can't play at their house, that kind of thing. And in hindsight, again, um, I suffered a lot. Uh, as a wow. result of that, felt very, very unpopular, very different than other people. But I didn't really have a desire to change myself from being different. But schooling yeah. years ahead, I realized that when what these girls were doing and, and you know, the, the bullying, mm-hmm. it's because they either feared me or secretly wanted something that I was or had. And I I think, I don't know, I'm kind of guessing here. It's new territory for me. But they feared the fact that I was myself. I wasn't always fitting in and jockeying and playing, you know, silly games and so forth. And I think that was both refreshing and like, I want that, but also scary. How can you do that? You're not allowed to do that. I don't allow myself to do that. How can you do that? So there's some sort of anger and um, jealousy involved, Um, but also fear, right? Because if a person is different than you and you have feelings about that difference, it's bad, it's awful, it's my parents wouldn't like it, I'm weak, I'm this or I'm that, then you try to push it away. You try to shove it away in the form of an actual person that embodies that fear for you. Those are just off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that, Summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your website is flowdreaming.com, and your podcast is called Flow Dreaming, a radical new technique for manifesting anything you want. And uh, what can we expect to find when we go to your website, (laughs) flowdreaming.com?
1: You can expect total overwhelm. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. Um, I've had this website up since 2005. Uh, when mm-hmm. I wrote my first book, and since then, I've been the energizer bunny. So when I talk about doing flow dreaming, um, you, can, you can kind of think of it like uh, meditation in a way. Mm-hmm. You can meditate on your own, or you can listen to a guided meditation. So I realized people need to be walked through these flow dreams because they, they feel different. You daydream in, I'm asking you to bring up deep, strong emotion, uh, find your emotional endpoints, and most people go in and they're like, uh, I'm, am I, I'm either doing self-hypnosis or I'm meditating. And I'm like, no, there's a different flavor here. The flavor has, it's full of emotion. It's full of like a juiciness and alignment, a sense of being held and guided and, and flowing and moving. So all of that I tried to bring out in my voice and the images to get people into that really connected feeling state. So the website, as a result, has something like 360 flow dreams now that I've recorded on every conceivable thing under the sun, Um, as well as courses, um, working with me privately or um, having a single session with me. There's just a lot there. And the flow dreaming dreaming itself, I teach for free, and I always have. I've never charged a glass to learn how to flow dream. Um, I feel like it's a fundamental right that we all have to understand this piece of us that's already there. Um, when mm. I talk about flood dreaming, it's not something you learn or practice or discover. It's something that you awaken to like, Oh, this is an inborn innate already there skill. And now I'm, I'm actually consciously developing it instead of just letting it happen to me from time to time. So, so what's it like? Cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: So what's it like if someone decides to work with you summer, what's that experience like?
1: Okay. Well, um, over the years I've put together various layers of working. Um, some people come right in and say, coach me, <laughs> like, can you just guide me? You've done all these things that I want to do. Show me how you did them. Show me how you were mm-hmm. thinking. Um, so I do a lot of sort of, I don't want to say high end coaching, but more intensive coaching for people who were like, again, cut to the chase. I've done all the stuff. I'm not where I want to be life's not, you know, getting any longer. So can we get this done? And I'm like, yes, let's just get this done. You know, I, I often say take five years that it would take you to learn on your own. Let's do it in one, right? Mm-hmm. How, what would that be worth for you? So that's one way, but other people are like, nah. I just want to dip my toes in. I don't know who you are and about this so much. In that case, I say, you know what? Get a playlist of flow dreams. I have a free uh, tutorial. I have an app. Actually, a, a phone app that also teaches it. Like, just start. If this resonates, if this feels good, if you read my book and it feels good, hey, we'll go to the next step. A monthly, I have a, <laughs> I have a new monthly um, uh, membership that's pretty low cost, and um, I get together with people, and every month we do something special. We do a flow dreaming live session, and and for me, getting people in flow state and having me guide them over and over. You know, once a month, twice a month, three times a month, four times a month. It's like having a private trainer in a gym. The more you do it, the more your muscles change. The more you flow dream, the more you energetically, emotionally change. So I'm always trying to get people come, come, let's flow dream together. Let's flow dream together. So and then introductory really sessions. Cool. I don't want to go on too much, but it's it's all there. That's what it looks like. We just we jump right. In that's and cool. We go. Yeah, you've made
0: that. Yeah, you've explained that really, really well. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, as we move forward, Summer, in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30-second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who is one person that has been a really powerful mindfulness influence on you?
1: One person has been the most powerful mindfulness. Um, you know, I know I'm supposed to say Dr. Dyer, but <laughs> it may be more like Eckhart Tolle because – yeah. The, again, to go back to what I said in the very beginning, the power of this moment, this yeah. is where our our awareness is centered right this second. Everything mm-hmm. stems from this second. So I very much reflect that, um, uh, that teaching of his.
0: How has mindfulness changed how you deal with your emotions?
1: Well, <laughs> again, um, I think I've sort of folded the two together and baked a little yeah. pie out of them. Uh, mindfulness and emotion. Um, my, I begin in a state of, for me, mindfulness is alignment, uh, reaching a, a moment of a perfect and pure flow feeling. I'm moving through a state of no restrictions. Uh, there's no resistance. I mean, that's the definition of flow, the absolute lack of resistance. You know, uh, think about electricity, right? It, it can flow without resistance, or you put little resistors in and, and, and pull it back. So mindfulness and, and flow to me, semi-synonymous.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about breathing, Summer. Mm. Tell us some insights or some thoughts that you have about breathing and how it relates to mindfulness.
1: Mm. I love breath work. It's one of my favorite uh, practices, real breath work, where you're you're focusing on the breathing and nothing but the breathing. And I've had some extraordinary um visions and experiences as a result of doing it um when i flow dream or go into my aligned you know mindfulness getting into that state i often begin with breath because you know in my world everything around us is energy and it's all moving forward through time and space so everything is in a state of action when i'm breathing what i'm doing is i'm taking a little bit of the world into me like i'm literally taking the world into my being And then I'm expelling a little bit of my being back into the world. So it's putting me into this really strong synergistic loop with life. Like it reminds me I am, I'm not just this little body walking around kind of here, whatever. Every moment I am contributing a bit of myself into this world and taking it into me. Like I, I don't know if you can understand for me, it's a profound feeling, a profound idea. Um, Well,
0: I can tell that. Yeah. yeah. From the way you're explaining it, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so your books are fantastic. Are there any other books that you would recommend that are related to mindfulness?
1: Any other books? That's tough. I don't want to pick and yeah. choose among my friends.
0: <laughs> I bet it's tough. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine that that would be a, a crazy tough question. And we can just put N.A. on there if you want. <laughs> if
1: I say Are one there, person, well, I'm going to get a phone call from another one. Like, what? Yeah, what? sure. I
0: understand. And, <laughs> and of course, apps, that's going to be easy because you have an app. Is it called yeah. Flow Dreaming?
1: It is. It's Flow Dreaming yeah. for meditation and manifesting. Okay. Um, and again, uh, it comes with several free flow dreams as well as a whole tutorial, teaching you how getting you into that space. So that's the number one one I'd recommend.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, I'll have to check that out because I have not been become familiar with flow dreaming the app. So yeah. I'll check that out for sure. And Mindful Tribe, I encourage you to check it out as well as the books. You know, the book and, and the podcast, Flow Dreaming. Yeah, you got to check that out as well. Yeah. As we wrap up the interview, Summer, do you have any final words of advice for our listeners?
1: Oh, well, I know everyone's here because when you're attracted to mindfulness, it's, it's, it's one piece of a, a huge pie. Um, it's part of a way of seeing the world and embracing the world that extends beyond just the simple practice of, of mindfulness. Uh, we're growth seekers. We're people who want to experience and drink of life all that we can. Uh, we are people who can sometimes be impatient with blocks, patterns, resistance, things that get in our way, and, and we feel challenged by them, that I want to go past them. I want to see what's on the other side. We're hungry people, in other words, um, and along the way, this, this path that we're on, we pick up all the tools that, I don't know, just keep getting us through the next thing, whether it's mindfulness or flow dreaming or, or tapping or, you know, whatever it may be. So, you know, there's a, there's a commonality between us all is, I guess, what I'm getting at. Um, so just remember that, you know, we're, we're, we're all of the same feather, even though we may pick different methods and, and routes. Uh, we're all heading to the same Emerald City.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Summer McStravick, it has been fantastic getting to know you and chatting with you and learning about the many thoughts and ideas that you have. Thank you so much for being on Mindfulness Mode, the podcast.
1: Oh, Bruce, thank you for allowing me to be here and having a great conversation. Loved it very much. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. All the best to you. Bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe. Thanks for listening again today. I'm sitting here holding and looking at the two books by Summer McStravick. And I really encourage you to check these books out. They're really excellent. The first one is Flow Dreaming. The subtitle is A Radical New Technique for Manifesting Anything You Want. A terrific book with a quote on the top by Dr. Wayne Dyer. It says you'll find much wisdom in this insightful book from my co-host. And what an endorsement is that? And the second book, which is the most recent book by Summer, 40 Lessons from M.E. School to Help You Stop Being Miserable and Start Feeling Amazing. And the book is called Stuff Nobody Taught You. So I suggest you check out these books. You can go to flowdreaming.com and check out things that Summer has on the website and it will really benefit you promise you that and also check out summer's podcast which is called flow dreaming and you will find a link to that, of course, on the website flowdreaming.com. I hope you're having a wonderful season this December, whether you celebrate Christmas or are enjoying another type of celebration or just a break. I know it's been a great time in my home and with my family, and I wish the same for you. So with that, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.